Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey there, I'm Jason Whiteley, joined with Jason Wheeler, the two J-dubs. And, um, you know, it seems like all politics is presidential right now. Everyone talking about uh, what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma over the weekend, last weekend. And also looking ahead to, you know, what's coming up here in Dallas. The vice president's coming here. We just saw the president here, Jason. So we're getting a lot of attention in the summer of an election year when I wouldn't think the president would be down here campaigning. Yeah, uh, the, the president uh, walked away with a bunch of money in his pocket, though, from when he came down uh, recently. But uh, now we've got Vice President Pence heading to Texas. This just after uh, President Trump's rally in uh, Ruby Red, Oklahoma. And uh, so, we, you know, thought these are some kind of interesting dynamics that are happening. This, of course, is a campaign unlike any other just because of COVID-19. And uh, it seems like the electoral map this year is a little bit different than what we have seen in the past. We've seen the race uh, fairly tight in some states, and now the Biden campaign uh, says that they believe that Texas is a battleground state this year. We haven't heard that, uh, it seems like, in forever. Uh, And the polls uh, bear that out at least a little bit, Jason. And you know journalists love to to grab onto that and take off, you know, Texas being a battleground state. So uh, you know, joining us for this podcast are two of the smartest people I know when it comes to politics. We have Abby Livingston. She is the D.C. Bureau Chief for the Texas Tribune. She is a Tarrant County native, represents the 817. And we have Vinny Mancillo, principal at Glasshouse Strategies in Dallas. He is an ad man. Hey, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jason. Now, Vinny, did we interrupt anything for you? We know this is kind of a busy season right now. We're not cutting into your workday here, are we? Well, we're getting started. You caught me between writing attack ads. So uh, <laughs> one's done and uh, one more to go. I laugh, but you're not kidding. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> hey, it, it pays the bills right That's now, right. huh? Uh, well, the first question for both of you, and Abby, we'll start with you. Are Republicans nervous about losing Texas this year? I would say say for the most part, no. Um, Once you get past the presidential ballot, though, there is somewhat of a divide. And I'm very curious where Vinny is on this. Um, I would say most Republicans, as of when I made calls a week ago, felt pretty good about the state of things in Texas with the down ballot races. But boy, a couple of people I talked to out of probably 20 are extremely nervous. And they argue privately that they worry some of the Republican operatives are so used to winning over the decades that they may not have sharpened uh, instincts antenna up to know the signs of trouble going into the fall. Vinny, what do you think? Same question for you. Are Republicans nervous? You know what? I I think I think Abby just brought up a really great point at the end of her answer. And, and, And that is we've got we've got a generation of Texas political consultants that don't know what to do in a general election. Um, they're very competitive in a primary, but in a in a general where you've got to talk to Democrats, it's not a skill set that that a lot of um, Texas political consultants um, have. 
Um, I, I would say a lot of it depends where you are. You know, if you're out in West Texas in that race, you're you're not you're not worried. But if you're you know um, out in the, the Beth Van Dyne race out in Irving, um, I'd say that people are pretty nervous about about hanging on to that seat. Um, as far as is it a battleground state for the presidential race? I don't see it. I, I want to ask this because we're in such a different world than we were in four and a half months ago. And right now we are four and a half months so, or so away from the election. So we have no idea what's going to change between now and that day. Uh, I do want to go down the polling as it stands right now and in the past uh, several weeks, uh, a month or so. Uh, Quinnipiac puts Trump up by one. Uh, that's within the margin of error. Emerson puts him up by six. Uh, the PPP puts Biden up by one. And the Dallas Morning News had the two at a tie in uh, the end of April. Uh, how significant is that? Because I was reading uh, Mark McKinnon, who is a longtime uh, political strategist uh, or advisor, rather, in Texas, uh, who's worked with uh, different campaigns. He says in Vanity Fair, the fact that polling is even close in Texas should be a four alarm fire for Team Trump. Uh, what do you guys think about this, uh, Vinny and Abby? I'll jump in. I agree completely with McKinnon. Um, to give some context, um, you know, uh, the layman in politics may look at this and go, Trump's up by six. That's great. Let me give you some figures. I believe Mitt Romney carried Texas in 2012 by 16 points. Hillary Clinton lost the state to Trump by nine points. That was a shock in Texas politics. That was one of the narrowest margins in a really long time. And even if it gets to the point where the Biden campaign looks at this and goes, you know, we'd rather spend, um, well, I'll backtrack. So the Trump campaign may need to come in and spend money. And those are resources they may need to pull from elsewhere. On the flip side, they're raising buckets of money and they may have that money to do and it's no sweat. Um, But the Biden campaign and their super PAC allies may look at this and go, you know, we can compete for Georgia and Arizona and we still need to lock down Pennsylvania and uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. And so Texas really gets on the back burner. But what is dangerous is if Biden outperforms historical precedent organically. And that creates a lot of problems down ballot for the state legislature and possibly the Senate race and a bunch of U.S. House seats. Hmm. Yeah, you know, Vinny, that she makes a very good point there, Abby does, uh, because, you know, following on with Mark McKinnon's article there in Vanity Fair, he says, you know, that notwithstanding the fact that, you know, uh, Biden seems to be doing well in the polls. And this is a long time Texas political advisor. He says, don't waste valuable time and resources there, meaning in Texas. Right. He suggests to the Biden campaign, if they really want to win this, they need to head to those other places like Arizona, uh, North Carolina, Florida, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, Iowa, Ohio. Uh, and he says, you know, if if Trump is in trouble in Texas, uh, you won't have any problem winning. So don't focus on Texas. Right. Good advice. And, no, that's good. That is good advice. And Mark is a real sharp guy. And and Texas is a trap. It, it really is. In, in order to run even any kind of a competitive campaign uh, in Texas, it's tens of millions of dollars. So it's it's really a trap. So in a lot of ways, if if the Trump campaign could sucker Biden into Texas, hmm. they'd burn up a lot of they'd burn up a lot of his money. And I worked on the Romney campaign, and certainly we stuck our foot in the Pennsylvania bear trap, um, and hmm. spent lots of money there, and and really didn't make any headway. And and polls are tough, you know. I, it, right now, I think it's 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 a tough job being a pollster. Um, they it's very very close, no doubt. Texas, I think, is going to be. 
this will be as close as it's ever been in a presidential election. And I, I really do agree with that. But I just don't know what polls to believe. It's still summer. Um, and, and we're still campaigns really haven't started. Yeah, it's important to know there's still a long ways out before, yeah. you know, people physically go to the polls on this. But but uh, Abby, you mentioned about, you know, uh, or maybe Vinny did about having to use resources in Texas. Um, let me go back to how we started the whole podcast. The president did a fundraising trip here about 10 days ago to Dallas, and he also um, had a roundtable here about uh, police reform. Um, and then we're seeing this coming Sunday, the vice president coming here. Why? And then the president was in Tulsa. It's friendly territory for him there. Why isn't the president uh, out campaigning in places like Florida, Michigan, North Carolina? Why is he, Why is he going to these friendly places? Why are they spending time and money here? Well, it is absolutely normal for any Republican, really any Democrat, to come into Texas well into September for fundraising. It is the ATM of the country. Um with right. regard to Tulsa, you know, I, I don't talk to White House officials on a regular basis. So I want to be very upfront that I am just basing this on what I hear other reporters say in public. Um, the sense was they wanted the Trump campaign wanted that picture of the full rally. And it it so backfired because the, the arena was not full. And so that was the appeal was Trump wanted to be in a place with, um, you know, adoring throngs of fans. And um, the best place to get that is in a super red state. The question going forward is, does Trump or anyone campaign on that scale in any state? I, I, you know, we will just have to wait and see how Tulsa shakes out in two or three weeks. Did this spread? Um, and, I, and I think that's the central question of how the presidential candidates campaign. Well, say that again. You're asking whether they might hold these big rallies. I mean, that's kind of a staple of you know presidential campaigns, isn't it? I talk to congressional candidates and members who have tough races, and um, these are extroverts who want to be out and about with the public and thrive on human interaction. And they are bouncing off the walls now, and they they accept there may be a situation where they are sitting on their couches on election day in November, based on how coronavirus pans out. I mean, as a that is a possibility. Wow. That is not a certainty, but they are preparing for that just in case. Yeah, Vinny has definitely changed the game. Vinny, let me ask you: Did Tulsa hurt the president? You know, I, I think it's. It, I think they jumped the gun a little bit, and but but I think there was it was almost a no win situation. I mean, on one hand, he really wanted to get the campaign going, and he wanted to you know basically that was a warm up. You know, it's a friendly place. It's, uh, um, I think it holds 16, 18,000, depending on the configuration. So normally he would have been able to pack the house. So, so now, the, now the spin is not about what he said at the event, but now it's like, well, how many people really came? And, and so now it's a great, you know, who's reporting that correctly, who's not. Um, so, so that's a little bit of a miss. But I think it was kind of a no-win deal for him. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And it seems like that's what stole the headlines, though, Vinny, coming out yeah. of this. And I think that that's what the, the president really wanted to turn that corner and, and say, you know, look at the size crowd that I'm able to achieve. Uh, that obviously has been a big deal to him uh, over the years. And, and all the headlines have been about this half empty arena and them taking down the stage outside that was supposed to be for this overflow crowd. And now we get into explanation mode uh, <laughs> and hearing that, you know, people may have stayed away because of, you know, fears about COVID-19. 
They may have stayed away because they knew that there were protesters uh, in mass outside, uh, or they may have stayed away because they never intended to come. As we've heard, the, a lot of young people uh, had expressed interest to the campaign that they would be coming, uh, and essentially they were mocking them uh, using TikTok and so forth to try to uh, you know throw off the campaign. Are we likely to see more of that going forward if people think that that was successful to protest outside the rally and to feign interest in attending the rally when they're not interested? You know, I, if I knew the answer to that, you know, that <laughs> I, I, I could charge a lot more money. Um, you know, I think the, the, the big the big event is a is a huge part of the Trump campaign. And I just don't see any way they're going to be able to Re- replace that or do something different. They've got to they've got to find a way to execute those events in a way that makes sense for the campaign. And, and then Abby brought up the the down ballot races. You, you know, I think I think while those candidates are dying to get out and have their events, their staffs are super happy about it uh, because th- those are tough events to put on and they suck a lot of money out of the out of the treasury. Um, so for the Trump campaign, I, I think they're going to keep it up. I think they're just going to try to find different ways to execute those big events. It's his favorite tool. And uh, they're not going to tell him he can't use it. Well, what would it look like, Vinny? I don't know. Co- co- coffee shops or what? I mean, that's, you know, coffee shops are easy. Right. That's it. And, and <laughs> you know, if you socially distanced in a basketball arena where everybody sits six feet apart, well, then you get, you know, you get an empty basketball arena. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's not going to be the optics of that are really bad. And, and that's, you know, that's really the struggle right now. How do you do effective campaigning that has really good optics? So this has to thrill you. This has to this has to thrill you, though, because doesn't that mean you know if somebody's you know trapped in a basement or trapped in their living room uh, doing Zoom interviews, or if they're doing smaller rallies and they need to get out in front of a lot more eyeballs, are we likely to see even more advertising than we would normally see? Because that's how you reach people now. Absolutely, and and usually a big chunk of money goes into you know events, and then also you know grassroots going out to knock on doors. So a lot of that money is going to flow into advertising to, to replace that. It's going to be a very interesting year. Indeed. So, Abby, let me ask you about Joe Biden. Why has he been so quiet lately? What's his media strategy? I mean, it's been... And, well, <laughs> while Vinny, Vinny starts smiling when I ask the question here, <laughs> he's I, waiting to answer it, I'm sure. Well, well, go ahead, Abby. What do you think? I mean, people like me for months have been I'm not saying I raise questions, but people in my profession raising these very serious, grave questions about how bad it is he's in the basement and all of these things. Meanwhile, he's opening up this lead. Um, you know, when you talk to Democrats who are, you know, operatives, rank and file, they are just fine with Joe Biden being in the basement. Um, he has such a history of gaffes and things that have come out the wrong way that, um, you know, I, I mean, it's they're not entirely they're they're okay with him in a controlled setting and so it's just an extraordinary thing and one other thing about the zoom i mean i think it's really that is the central front of the political fight and to give you a sense i mean there is now media training for candidates to learn how to zoom to wear the right clothes just like Mm -hmm. television um media training i mean that that is how inside ball this Mm -hmm. has gotten And I guess the background is everything, because that's where it really starts to fall apart, is if your background is not good. Absolutely. 
And, and Vinny has a cool background. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you can't see it, but he has all these vintage typewriters behind us, which he's probably used to make millions of dollars in attack ads over the years. But, but Vinny, Vinny, same question for you. Um, you're coming from the other side of the aisle, but what do you think uh, Joe Biden's strategy is here? Keep quiet and let the president trip over himself? What? Well, I, I think it sort of accidentally happened that way. And it may have been McKinnon, actually, who said early on, you know, the best thing they could do in, in, in this campaign is, you know, lock Joe Biden in his basement. Well, mm-hmm. it's kind of come true. You, you know, I think when you have a when you have a candidate out there, you, you know, the candidate can either you know help himself or hurt himself. And, and on, on any given day, either one could happen. So sort of taking him off the board ha- has actually worked out well. Now, on the, on the flip side, you know, one of the things that Joe Biden does really, really well is the sort of one-on-one interpersonal communications. And so when they get him out, I think you're going to see them either via Zoom or with masks on in very, very, very small groups. And that's a strength for him. He's not the guy to be behind the podium to give the big stemwinder speech. Mm-hmm. So I think the game is kind of coming to Joe in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. So it seems like this campaign has been going on for a long time already. Uh, how sick of these two candidates am I going to be by the time we get to November of this year? Because if we loop back here, Vinny, and talk about the advertising end of this, because you're not out knocking on doors and doing those things that are intensive as far as you know people being together, we are going to see more advertising. We're going to see it on television, which has made a big comeback. Ratings are through the roof with so many people at home so much. And of course, we're going to see it digitally. Uh, how much of this are we going to see between now and Election Day? It seems like they're starting to launch off the campaigns now in, in, in big ways. I'll take that one. You, you know, you're going to see more than ever. It'll be another record-breaking cycle from everybody from president down to, you know, down to state rep. And, and But I'll make this prediction. For presidential candidates, you're not going to get sick of it. You're going to want more of it before it's all over. This is sports for the unathletic, and we love it. So, so we've broken up into, into two teams. You, you get the R's, you got the D's, and, uh, you know, and, and you want your side to win. So do you think, I, it's, I did, do you think yeah. it's going to be nastier than before? Because oh it seems like it's come out of the gates that way. It's, it's, it, and it's, and what's really interesting about it this time is it is nasty from stem to stern. I mean, there are, there are ugly battles in, in, uh, in state rep races. Mm. And, and I, I, think, I, I think it will be interesting to see Here's my prediction. I think there's an opportunity for a campaign somewhere along the line to break out by being either humorous or emotional or warm or funny. And that's going to be a breakout campaign because right now the default is mean and nasty at every level. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Abby, what, you know, the thesis for this podcast was are Republicans worried about Texas considering the visits here they made lately? Um, I'm curious why. We haven't heard a lot of blue wave talk like we have in 2018, 2016, 2014, 2012. Why aren't Texas Democrats really out there, you know, really tooting their own horns a lot? Oh, they toot their horn to me. Um, and I mean, you're seeing um, <laughs> I'll, I'll make two points. So the House Democratic campaign arm. So this is a committee called the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. It is com- the members of this committee are Democratic members of Congress and they all raise money for the committee to win competitive seats all over the country. They are targeting six or seven seats, whether they actually spend money in all of those TBD, but these are in every major media market. The chairwoman is a woman named Sherry Bustos, and she is a former collegiate athlete, and she ha- she is swaggering about the state of Texas. Um, 
additionally, really the thing national and state Democrats care about more than anything in the world. If they had to choose between this and Joe Biden winning the state, I think they would choose this. It is winning the state House of Representatives because that gives them more power than they've had in decades in the redistricting process, which should happen in 2021. And that the the, the, the that is where Democrats see if they hold the majority this fall in the House, that's where they see reinforcing it is in the state of Texas. Yeah, the stakes are, are definitely huge. I want to ask you this, Abby, because you come into contact with so many different people. How reluctant are Democrats to accept good news right now? They, they've done well in some polls, not just you know presidential polls, but in some Senate races and so forth. Uh, and, and, and they might have some reason for optimism there. But are they gun shy about accepting those polls, given what happened in 2016? Is there almost a, a follow on effect that they don't want to get too happy about anything uh, until it's all said and done this time? Absolutely. There is nothing quite like talking to a former Hillary Clinton presidential staffer. Um, the anxiety, the fear, um, there's a quiet determination to them. And some of these people are folks I've grown up with in politics. And after that campaign, they changed. There was a psychological change to those folks. And uh, so they, they are extremely nervous. They do not brag. They um, are, are very cautious. And um, I, I mean, there's a sense they, they're waiting for the bottom to fall out and they fully expect uh, foreign interference in the campaign as well. Are they ready? Are, are, are they realistic to feel that way, Vinny, uh, that, that, you know, maybe the bottom might fall out here, even if a poll says some good things, even if several polls are saying good things, are they uh, you know, realistic to be very reluctant to be happy about that? Well, I, you know, I'm, in, in life, I'm sort of a glass half full guy, but but uh, but at work, I'm not. Uh, you know, I even if you're 10 points ahead, I, we, you run like you're behind. So so to me, that's just that's good professional political consulting. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I t- we talked at the beginning about, you know, there being very few Republican consultants that know how to win in a general. Well, you know, the, the, the Texas Democrat consultants that fit that mold, you know, can fit in a booth at Denny's. You know, it's just there's just not anybody there. Um, so, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very, very tough. But there are, you know, there are a few competitive races. There are opportunities for Democrats, but, um, but they're not easy. It's, uh, it's very, very tough. Abby, we saw the news in, in the Quorum Report and in the Texas Tribune uh, a few days ago about uh, Empower Texans and the leaked audio from that phone call uh, in which some Republicans from that group, uh, you know, far right group were, you know, critical is not the right word, but kind of made fun of of Governor Abbott for being in a wheelchair. Is there a is there a really a noticeable split right now inside the Republican Party? And if so, um, how is that going to play out? as we get closer to November? Um, there was a furied reaction to that, um, but I think the split was already there. It's been there for years. Um, I'm not as familiar with it because it tends to play out on the state legislative front, and I tend to cover the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate, so I'm not super fluent in it, but whenever I go to Austin, I'm, I've been aware of it for the last five or six years. Um, it's a central point of gossip, back and forth, and. Um, it's uh, I, I think we are going to see a lot of division going forward in the Republican Party um, as they're trying to navigate these general election waters. And, and Vinny, I guess at the end of the day, I, I can't imagine, you know, even if there's a split in the Republican Party that they're going to vote for somebody else. Here's my prediction, though. You're, you're good at predicting. Here's mine, Vinny. Uh, I predict that this fall you're just going to have a lot of a lot of Republicans just stay home. 
Um, these aren't. This isn't the Trump base. These are more probably the traditional Republicans, the business Republicans, and those folks there. What do you think about that? You know, I, I, the, the Empower Texans thing actually was 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 really interesting audio. Um, and uh, you know, not that I'm writing a spot with any of that audio in it right now, but uh, it could be happening. You know, I, I I think what you just said though uh, about those folks is uh, that's a fear the Cornyn campaign has, because that business Republican, that more moderate Republican has always been, you know, a really good supporter of, of Cornyn through the years. So that, you know, that's a real worry that, that they have. Um, uh, as far as a, a split in the, you know, in, in the Republican Party, this Empower Texans audio might, might really crack it wide open. Um, I think it's a bigger deal than, than people. How so? How so? Um, because you, you've got, you, you can split Republicans neatly in half by people who have been who have been helped by money or influence from Empower Texans and people who have been beaten by money or influence by Empower Texans. And so there's plenty of revenge on the table and plenty of people who don't want to see that money go away from their campaigns. So I think it's just it could make the schism much worse. I want to ask this because Jason asked about, you know, might some of these voters stay home come November Uh, on that topic? Let's talk about vote by mail. Um, We've already seen the fight really joined uh, between both from both sides on this. Uh, That fight's going to get a lot nastier before we get to the finish line here. Um, But it seems like both parties would have possibly an opportunity there. And, you know, both of them might lose out there as well. What do you guys think about that? I'll jump in. Um, you know, I used to cover Arizona politics in a different jo- uh, job, and Republicans, if I remember correctly, benefited from vote by mail. So I, I think this is uh, one, it underscores um, just how uncertain all of this is. We, uh, we cannot look at historical patterns and numbers like most cycles and think we know what's going to happen based on what, you know how vote by mail pans out. And two, um, whether people stay home and just don't want to vote out of fear. The other thing I'll suggest is um, this is the week of the New York primaries. And I'm fascinated in that because I'm curious to see how many incumbents hang on. Um, There has been massive population displacement there. And I think that is going to be a real canary in the coal mine of how um, how COVID has just completely upended the normal rituals of voting. That's a good point. That is a great point, Vinny. What do you think about that? You know, I'm, I'll be watching that closely, too, because New York is really, if there's a state that's been turned upside down by COVID, it's New York. And it's, uh, um, I absolutely will be watching that and see who hangs on and, uh, and who's, who, you know, uh, New Yorkers love to have, see heads roll. So we'll, we'll see what happens. As far as mail-in voting in Texas, though, it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's tough. It's, it's, it's the unknown. And I think it's one of those things to where, you know, if we had been working on it for years and, you know, and, and, and had ways to, to have more safeguards, it, it might be easier. But just to throw the switch and, and have it have it happen, as a lot of people don't like that. Well, you know, Abby talked about Arizona. We talked a few episodes ago on the Yolitics podcast about the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. And we interviewed the Republican secretary of state there who explained why she thinks it's a great idea and why the safeguards are actually working there. Um, why are Texans so reluctant, Texas Republicans so reluctant to get on board with this? Is it, do they really fear there's that much fraud uh, out there? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do. And I think, I think without, you know, without time and safeguards in place, and I don't know what those safeguards are, people are very uncomfortable. So it's, so it's, it's new, it's unknown, it's change, and there are questions about how to do it. 
So, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, one day we won't be voting by, you know, blockchain, you know, on, on, on the internet. Um, but I think right now we're just not ready. I mean, look, we're, you know, we still send checks out to dead people. I mean, so, you know, we really don't have it together. Some people still use typewriters, I guess, too. Um, I want to ask this because Facebook uh, just came out with this uh, feature, I guess, where you can start kind of muting some of the political stuff. Uh, Basically, they're telling users, we get it. You know, maybe you've already made up your mind. You don't want to hear the back and forth uh, for months and months and months. Vinny, I know you hate to hear that. Uh, But but I guess that's a reality of where a lot of people are. I mean, it seems like, you know. A good number of people have made up their minds by this point and could just hold this thing tomorrow. What do you think about this idea of social media saying, hey, you can just turn all this off if you'd like? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I tell you who it hurts the most on this is are the people who are running for city council mm. and, and some of these really small town level races where that's that's pretty much all they, the, the only the only media option they have. So I, I feel bad for those races that are literally run off the kitchen table. Um, at, at, the, at the presidential level, you, you know, I think Facebook needs to do this to save their own business mm. um, because, you know, every election year it becomes a really ugly, nasty place. And, and I think they're kind of throwing their hands up as to what to do. Uh, I, honestly, I don't like it, but I kind of don't blame them. Hmm. To save their own business. That's big. Abby, you have a cool job. I, I kind of like, I, not kind of like it. I really like your job because you get to walk the halls of Congress up there. Um, hey, before we let you guys go, I, I'm just curious, Abby, where's the momentum? Where's the energy up there? Is it behind the, the right or left? Who, who's really pumped and who's really kind of nervous? Well, to be honest, I have not been to the Capitol since uh, mid-March. Um, I made a decision. I was not going to, there are a number of reporters for big news outlets who have to be there. And I decided I was not going to bring my germs up there. Um, so I've been doing my job on the phone and talking to folks. Um, I would say probably the Dems. I think there's a sense of momentum among them um, nationally. Um but I will say, when I talked to Republicans for this story I did recently, um, there was a sense from folks who are usually very honest with me that they felt like Democrats were going too far out in the suburbs in Republican territory and that maybe gravity was returning. Um, because this map, the maps that are drawn in Texas for the state ledge and the Congress are um, were drawn by Republicans to benefit Republicans. That said, the Joe Biden outraised um, Donald Trump last month, which has not, I mean, if it has happened, it's rare. Um, and consistently we are seeing um, down ballot candidates outraise uh, the Republicans. But um, we'll just have to wait and see. They're just, I, I, I say the Democrats have momentum, but it, it, there's just so many unknown factors that I try to be super careful about that. Good point. I'm sure, uh, you know, like any journalist, the texting and the uh, the phone calls is where everything is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, uh, Vinny. It doesn't, Vinny. It doesn't surprise me to hear what, what Abby just said there. That that the, the Dems are you know probably pretty excited about the president doing what he does. Um, but at the end of the day, we're we're a long ways out, aren't we? We we are a long ways out, and and twenty you know twenty twenty has been you know zero out of five stars. It's 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 a crazy year. Who would have thought? You know, we'd have we'd have riots. We'd have, you know, a, a pandemic that makes everybody stay home and and shut down pretty much every political campaign. So so who knows what's going to come next? We, we've got, you know, uh, who knows what could happen next? So so I think what's what's interesting right now is I do agree with Abby. I think the D's feel like right now they have got some national momentum because, uh, you know, they, they really haven't stubbed their toe yet. Sooner or later, it'll happen. 
in, in the Trump campaign, you know, normally there's this this power of incumbency, but but at this time it's a little different. I think at this time it feels a little more like we're playing defense, and 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 they're really going to have to hustle to bring back all those people they brought back last time. You, you know, Pennsylvania still is always a question mark. Will he win? Will he win Wisconsin again? And now you know, I think Georgia is a legitimate, you know, a legitimate um, state to be competitive. But but the president has created his own problems, hasn't he? I mean, I, I would argue that he he wouldn't be in this situation had he addressed things differently and, and maybe you know not not as been impulsive on on social media. Well, you know, there 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 was always that that group of Republicans who went, well, you know what? I really don't. I, you know, I'm I'm good with Trump, but I I just wish he'd be you know a little nicer and 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 you know, I think he's going to struggle to hang on to that group of people because he just has you know he just doubles down on everything. So, you know, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting. Now, on, on the other hand, you know, to, to play off Abby's comment, you know, have the Democrats overplayed their hand? And that's kind of some, that's a trap that they fall into all the time. So, you know, it just, it just remains to be seen. I will say this, Trump's not going to change. I mean, he's going to keep being No way. Trump. That's the constant in a world of change. And the rep- and the important reminder here is, uh, as crazy as it feels like it's already been, this is really just we've just gotten past the start flag here, and and we've got four and a half months, which just seems like an eternity. Yeah, and, and, you know, I have, I have one last question because this is something that will directly impact me. But do you, do you really think we're going to see national political conventions, Abby? Uh, I think we'll see the Republican one. I don't think it'll look the same. Um, I don't think we'll see much of a Democratic one. Um, Joe Biden's telegraphed zero enthusiasm, but Trump really wants that arena. So, um, you know, but I think there's a lot of people who these are huge events typically with thousands of people from all over the world descending upon them. I mean, they literally take over an entire downtown of an American city. And it's all I mean, you, you can't go to work if you live in one of these towns. And I don't think it's going to be like that. Hmm. Vinny? Uh, I, I agree. I think we will not see the Democrat uh, convention. And I think the Republicans will try to, you know, either do a, a smaller version or some kind of a bifurcated version. Um, but, you know, they're very, they're very sensitive about the optics, as you saw in Tulsa. They don't want, they don't want, a, they don't want a stadium that is not filled to the, 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 the promised amount, whether that's completely full or 5,000 or whatever they do. So I think you'll see some smart people trying to manage expectations and manage the optics of this. But, but you know what, um, you know, are, are people going to watch this? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I have one more for you all before we let you go too. And that's about the VP pick uh, for Biden. So much has been said about this uh, from everything that you all hear. How crucial is that pick to his candidacy? Does it matter as much as it's been made out to matter? Um, I'm happy to jump in on that. I, I, I think that's, I think, honestly, I think that's one of, I'm, I'm not a fan of the Biden campaign. I don't think they've run it very well. And I think this is a corner they painted themselves into um, needlessly. And I'm, and I'm not sure why. They've made it a very, very important pick. And, and I think what it does is it raises questions about, well, gee, is, is, is Biden going to make it for us? You know, he's an older guy. Does he have health issues? And, and I, so I think it's a corner they've painted themselves into needlessly. And then and then he said, you know, he's, he's made some other comments about, you know, OK, it's definitely going to be a woman. It's definitely going to be a person that, you know, and, and I, I think they've bundled it. I also think it's a real if that's the one thing we're talking about, the fact that you asked me that about about the Biden campaign, that's bad. Hmm. That's bad. That should not be the message 
of you know it should be unity or economy. It's not their number one message is now is who's Joe going to pick for his VP? That's not a good place to be. Abby, you had a thought on that. I think it matters most if it's a bad decision, um, if it's a candidate that underperforms or can't handle that kind of pressure. Um, and so um, that's where I think it really matters. Um, it's I will be intrigued because Biden is clearly at this point, given his age and his service and everything else, um, you, you know, there's they've thrown this huge net out. But I can't help but think he's going to lean towards someone with federal experience because he has such a foreign policy background that I think he's going to want somebody who can handle that in the event um, the the unthinkable happens. And so um, I I think he's going to go for experience. But, you know, this is a one. This is a committee of one. This is someone the presidential candidate's got to be comfortable with. um, And sometimes it just boils down to chemistry. Hmm. Who do you think he takes? Yeah, who is it? I, I, I say it's Michelle Obama. Who do you think? I'm probably going to bet Kamala Harris or Val, uh, Senator from California or Val Demings, uh, House member from Florida. But, uh, you know, I'm not sourced. I'm not bet. That is me speculating. That is not me pretending to know what's going on. Vinny, what do you think? We'll see yeah. another Biden-Obama ticket. <laughs> you know what? I don't think she'd do it. I think he'd love, he'd love, for, he'd love for her to do it. But I, I think there's a 0% chance. And, and, you know, the two names that Abby brought up, you know, you know Val Demings, um, former police chief and and Kamala Harris, former prosecutor. Um, so they're both good picks, but I wonder if there are some fundamental problems in there with both of them being connected to law enforcement. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think those two are very high on the list, but it should see if that becomes a problem. Wow. Fascinating insight, guys. It's uh, Abby uh, Livingston from the Texas Tribune. She is a D.C. bureau chief. Uh, and Vinny Mancillo, principal at Glasshouse Strategy, with two people we always uh, call. And as Vinny said so eloquently, this is sports for the unathletic. <laughs> that would be that would be that me. Accurate. Pandemic began. That's why. That's why we are here. Yes. 